Welcome. I'm here today with Dave Noonan from RSM. He's the national lead for private equity strategy at the firm. Welcome, Dave. Welcome, Tomas. Nice to be here. So what I'd love to start with is, Dave, maybe give us a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I've been uh, in this position with the firm for uh, going on eight years now. Um, uh, for the first seven, I have led our private equity consulting practice, really focused on, you know, value creation uh, for our private equity firms throughout the uh, throughout their investment life cycle. Uh, for the four years prior, uh, I worked closely with uh, with the SAP private equity team uh, for a reseller uh, out of uh, Bielefeld, Germany and Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and did a, a fair amount of carve-out work and, and uh, optimization work on SAP. Um, and for uh, five years prior to that, I was the CEO of a process automation software firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I, uh, I have about 25 or so years uh, uh, ahead of that in various uh, technology and uh, professional services leadership roles. Uh, this vlog is about the intersection of value creation and technology, and you definitely had... Uh, uh, experience with both. So let's talk about the crisis just so we get it out of the way. What are the kind of acrobatics and, uh, and uh, activities you've seen in the crisis uh, in and outside of private equity? Yeah, I mean, I think across the board, there's been such a profound, um, you know, importance put on just being able to function in a, in a remote setting, having the infrastructure and the technology and um, you know, the digital infrastructure in place to be able to support that. And I think the, the companies that have, have done that well and, have, and were prepared, you know, have, have fared very well. I think, I think the firm that I'm with was well positioned to, uh, to support that and we really didn't miss a beat. Um, you know, but the importance of having, you know, um, accurate data, you know, and, and, and uh, customer data available, you know, through that, through that digital infrastructure is, is tantamount to being able to sustain business in, in this kind of crazy time. Yeah, I'm sure you and I both watched as, as our clients and, and, and the companies we interact with reacted differently. And some did really well, some struggled. Uh, do you have a hypothesis as what the, what the leaders did better than the laggards in the crisis? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've kind of seen, you know, the, the leaders have just promoted a you know, a culture and created a, uh, an environment of, of agility, right? You know, the ability to, to move. I mean, if you look at, you know, um, microbreweries being able to all of a sudden pivot and, and make hand sanitizer, you know, in the same facility and Ford, you know, pivoting to, to manufacture ventilators. I mean, that doesn't happen without, you know, A, I think a, a, a leadership mindset of, you know, of being agile and nimble in the marketplace, but really having a, a framework, a technology framework to be able to make those kind of changes on the fly. I mean, it, uh, it really says a lot for, for those folks. And the ones that haven't uh, had that kind of vision, uh, haven't had the same level of success and have had a real difficult time, you know, kind of adopting to the, to the new normal. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, there's, a, there's a general talk about how digital transformation accelerated. And, and I, I think it's partially true, but I think some companies just fell further behind, uh, like you're saying. And, and I, you know, I noticed like one of the uh, companies I noticed, Domino's, right? It's like right off the bat in like a couple of days, they completely changed the delivery model and the local pizzeria never could never even take orders online. Um, what do you think, uh, what are the technologies you think are, are advancing as a result of the crisis? And what are the things that maybe uh, are more sidelined? 
Well, I mean, I think the, the, for, for me, the things that have, um, have really um, gained an adoption in, and, and really out of necessity, quite frankly, are things that help, uh, help digital workers be more effective and, and really help you know, companies operate in, in more of, a, uh, of an automated environment. I mean, things like you know, um, uh, AI and, and RPA and, and tools that, that, that just you know, drive measurable you know, productivity and, and the ability to con- kind of conduct business without human interaction is, you know, ha- has been has been significantly, you know, accelerated and really have have allowed people to, you know, to operate in ways that they never thought they could. And I don't think it's going to change. I don't think it's gone back. <laughs> One thing I thought about is you worked a lot with private equity firms over the last decade. Uh, are they have you noticed different behavior when it comes to their deployment of technology? In the crisis, I think there's a uh, again. You used the word acceleration. I think across the board, this this whole thing has just propagated. You know, the need for an accelerated deployment of technology to 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 prepare yourself for things that you know. I, and there's probably things coming about that we we haven't. Been, we're still not prepared for that. We don't know what they're going to create for us. And I I think having that that you know that kind of agile you know kind of automated environment that that allow you to shift and change and and move at, at the drop of a hat is just, it's just going to be critical. And I, I see my private equity firms taking a more, you know, aggressive approach to, you know, to automation and to just uh, digitizing, you know, simple back office functions, reconciliations, and, you know, uh, cl- you know closing their books on, 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 you know, on a timely basis. Th- those are things that, you know, can be manually intensive and, and take a lot of time and cost a lot of money. And there are things that can be easily, you know, automated and, and streamlined. Uh, and, and I see them taking more aggressive routes to doing that. You know, as value creation and private equity becomes more, more critical, right? They have to look at, at new ways to, you know, to continue to move the needle for their investors. And you are advisors uh, to private equity and both on value creation and technology. Uh, do you notice that you have to change and shift how you uh, how you serve them because they're shifting? Yeah, you know we're we're finding that um, you know private equity has always been about speed. You know we when we think about value creation and private equity, we we bucket it into you know to money, time, and risk, right? And you know they're always looking for ways to 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 make more money and to run more efficiently and save money on on the operating side of things. But but boy, the focus on on time and getting things done quickly and and moving fast and adjusting quickly to the environment, you know, has has really created a you know, a, a different level of urgency for us. I mean, we've had to react, you know, much more quickly in order to remain competitive and, and to drive the kind of value that the, that the clients are expecting. You know, the, the, the focus on speed is, has been a, a real noticeable change. Staying with private equity, so the large firms always had technologists and specialists focused on digital, digital technology and, and enterprise tech. And a lot of the mid-market firms probably didn't so much. They may have focused on top-line growth and, and uh, maybe cost efficiencies. Do you think change, that will change? Do you think there's more technology focus is going to emerge, especially in the mid-market private equity? Absolutely. As, as a matter of fact, I mean, we're, I mean, we focus on the mid-market predominantly and, and we're taking advantage of, of technology solutions that, you know, heretofore have only been available to the, you know, to the Fortune 100 and the very large firms. And, and there's, some, there's some very extensible technologies that are available today in the areas of, you know, like I said earlier, uh, RPA and, and corporate performance management tools and data visualization tools, things that, that allow you, allow 
users, right, in a in a non-code environment to you know to kind of analyze and 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 utilize data in a decision support structure that's almost real time. Where you know in the in the past that kind of availability was only you know it was really only um, out there for the very large uh, corporate environments. And now you know mid market firms can take advantage of that you know, that kind of um, you know robust data environment and and real time analytics. Um, without having IT create some, you know, static report that's looking in, you know, looking in the past. So if you put your predictor hat on, uh, do you think uh, looking at two, three years out, do you think private equity will shift uh, in some ways coming out of this crisis and operate differently in in the mid-market especially? You know, I I really think they already have. I mean, I think that shift has started. I'm seeing private equity firms demand that they know that their portfolio companies be able to, you know, to report on the business more effectively and to provide, you know, real time analytics, you know, to to support, you know, decisions that need to be made in order to, you know, uh, drive the investment thesis. So, you know, I think what what's going to change is that again, I'm going to use speed again, but the speed at which that technology is adopted and 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 driven to adoption by the private equity firms is going to continue to accelerate. So let's go back to uh, technology and and uh, well, uh, you and I joke around. You were in RPA before there was RPA in many ways. Um, uh, so when you look at technologies, AI, machine learning, automation. Uh, what do you think is hype too much? And maybe what are the parts of technologies that probably not leveraged enough? I think the, the ones that um, that you just mentioned, you know, AI, machine learning, RPA, I, I don't think they're hyped enough. I, I think that there's, there's still a lot of um, uh, non-believers out there that you, that you can really leverage this technology to drive the kind of the kind of automation and the kind of efficiency that, that I think is really out there. So I think they're not hyped uh, enough. Um, you know, in, in my mind, and, and I, I might I might be a laggard in this area, but I think the the, the technology that's hyped too much is blockchain. You know, I, I think that there's I, I do believe that that the, the premise of blockchain and, and having a you know a single you know ledger out there for all users is is uh, uh, is nirvana. Uh, but to get there, I think the roadblocks of, of you know gathering that kind of um, that kind of con- consensus around user adoption is. Is going to be awfully hard to get to, and I and and it you know it, it may like I said I may be a laggard here, but uh, but I think blockchain is overhyped, and I think uh, you know we ought to focus on things that are more tangible, real, and attainable, um, you know, than than that. So what I like about you, Dave, is very pragmatic. You have a ton of experience in technology. So when you sit back and saying, "I'm really excited about that technology or that technology," what would that be? What's what's on the horizon that says that that's really intriguing? Yeah, you know what? I I, I got to tell you, it's a combination of things. But I think on the top of the list has got to be you know this kind of non-code data analytics uh, capability. I mean, the, the the ability to have a a business user sit at his desk and access data from four or five different disparate um, systems and and sources, and you know um, collate that in a way that allows him to analyze it and make decisions around. That kind of thing, without having to go to to some sophisticated IT environment to 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 pull that down, is I think it's game changing, and I I think the the, the combination of of data analytics, um, process automation, and and AI um, really, you know, you put those three things together, and all of a sudden it it becomes a pretty powerful um, way to to provide, you know, kind of um, autom- true, you know 
data-driven automation and, and process improvement in a way that we've never been able to do before. This isn't about, you know, sitting in a room and conducting interviews and posting sticky notes on a, you know, on a, on a whiteboard. This is about real, you know, real a- analytics and, and, and automation. So in the crisis, we noticed that digital prices got a lot faster and they elevated on the, uh, on the CEO agenda all of a sudden because they were crisis-related to help with business continuity. And the debate is, these will stay or not stay the same? Will digital projects now go back to multi-year transformations? And do they drop down from the CEO agenda back to the CIO agenda? I don't think there's any chance of that happening. You know, I think now that, um, you know, I think what this crisis, just just like with the remote workforce, right? I mean, you and I have both spent way too much time in, in airplanes and, and hotels and, and uh, traveling the globe. Um, and, and, and three years ago, we would have never thought that we could conduct business without that. Well, you know what? We can, right? Um, and I think three years ago, CEOs didn't realize that, the, that they could get access to real, meaningful w- data with, without engaging a, a huge IT project to get there. And they could see immediate results from that effort. And, and I don't think that's ever going to turn, turn back, just like I don't think you and I are ever going to spend, you know, 222 nights in a Marriott again. I just don't think it's going to happen. Hope not. <laughs> Hope not. Uh, uh, so speaking more about predictions, uh, one of the things that I remember, you and I were both in ERP in the early days, and the promise of ERP was that things are going to be wall-to-wall automated, the business is going to be a lot more efficient, a lot leaner. And I actually look back the last 20, 30 years, and if you look at the SGNA line on average industry, it hasn't changed much. The, uh, the cost base of an average company is still the same as well 20 years ago. So the question is, where did all that, that cost efficiency go? So if we look at the next two, three, four years, and we talk about automation and AI machine learning, do you think this time around Industry 4.0 will bring those cost efficiencies? I, I do, uh, you know, I, and I think they're they're going to do that for the reasons we just talked about earlier. I think these are going to happen now. The efficiencies are going to come in in bite sized consumable, you know, portions. Right? It's not going to be this big monolithic ERP, you know, big bang approach to you know all things business. Right? There's there are point solutions that handle you know parts aspects of the of the enterprise very very well. ERP has a as a as a role to play. But there's a lot of you know kind of connecting technologies, and and I think the the biggest thing that that that's happened is that you know the if you'll remember back in the day the cost to integrate these applications was so great and it took so much time to get there and they were so rigid in terms of the of the integration points that they were hardly usable, right? Well, well, that, that's all gone away now. With well, like you said, with machine learning and AI and and you know the 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 ability to analyze data from multiple sources and and collaborate. It, it it doesn't take that rigid interaction that interface development anymore. You can do that in a in a very streamlined and and efficient way. And and I don't I don't think that's ever gone back. You know I, I think there's again there's a role to play for ERP, but it's a it's a much reduced role and it's and it's one that has a much different value proposition. So I think the dialogues I'm already noticing the dialogues with the boards and the and the executive suite changed. They want to learn from what happened in the crisis. They want to want to. They like the speed of it. There is uh, there's an adrenaline that that got pumped into the uh, American business and probably worldwide. So when you're advising yeah. B firms and, and executives, what would you tell them to do more of or less of learning from what happened in the last six, seven months? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I, I think I, I would I would focus more on 
the, 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 the cultural aspect of, of being um, agile, um, creative, nimble, um, and, and then, you know, and when I say cultural aspect, I, I think that, um, that mindset, you know, starts at the CEO level and it permeates down through, through the organization. It's basically, you know, the, the, the notion of, you know, be prepared, you know, be prepared for things that you are not even, you know, you're not even con- contemplating right now. Nobody contemplated this pandemic, you know, a year and a half ago. So, um, but, but to be prepared now means to be digitally equipped right to to change on a dime to change your operating model to change how your customers access your products how you serve your customers to change how you process invoices and and uh and move um, goods through your supply chain you have to be able to, to to turn on a dime so many companies got caught you know with with supply chain issues out of china and other places where they all of a sudden they couldn't manufacture parts not because they couldn't manufacture but they couldn't get the raw goods right so you have to have some redundancy built into that. And, you know, so you have to kind of think forward in, in ways you never had before. And you have to have an infrastructure, a culture and an infrastructure that supports that. Let's make it a little personal as a sort of towards my final question is how, we're all going to change. I, I'm thinking about this every day. I work remotely. I have worked remotely quite a bit of time. You have, I know. Uh, how, how, how do you think your uh, uh, personal work is going to change as a result of of uh, what happened the last couple of months what do you want to do more of uh, what do you like about the changes and what 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 are you trying to work back towards i mean are you excited to get back to the office are you excited to go back to on-premise consulting engagements or you think some of what happened is actually going to serve you no i you know quite frankly you know i i had this conversation with a colleague earlier today actually this this has been um in, in a lot of cases, this has been such a significant disruption to, to life and livingness for us um, as individuals uh, as anything has ever been. Uh, but on the other hand, this has been a it's it's been the perfect storm, right? I mean, if you think about you know when I was when I was traveling and visiting clients and and talking to them about the services we provide and the value we could create and all those type of things, I could maybe see four, five, six clients a week. I can see ten clients a day. Uh, talking to them the same way you and I are talking to now and, you know, are talking about now. And, 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 and the fact is, two years ago, that wouldn't have been an acceptable mode of communication. Today it is. So for me, at, at being on the front end of, of, of advising clients and, and providing, you know, insights and perspective, I can talk to a whole heck of a lot more people now than I could, you know, beforehand. And I think I can have a broader impact on more people uh, by using digital technology to to facilitate those meaningful conversations. And and I, I haven't seen a significant drop off. There was early. There was a little angst, you know, not everybody wanted to turn the cameras on and, and that type of thing. But now that we've gotten to a point where it's kind of the new normal, I think everybody feels comfortable. I can read your body language just like you can read mine. And I can, you know, I can talk to a client about, you know, what's on the, you know, what's on their shelf behind their desk and, and why it's meaningful and, and those types of things, just like I could if I was sitting next to, you know, next to them in an office. Yeah, Dave, it's interesting. I'm hearing that a lot. I think on balance, I don't know, where are we? Four, five, six months into this. I think most people believe this actually was probably net positive to business and not negative. Um, I think the first couple of months were painful for everybody. And and I yeah. think everybody learned from it. I think uh, beyond the technology that we talked about, I think uh, we as executives and and uh, and, and uh, just the workforce, I think there's a lot of benefits uh, uh, 
uh, from from the transition and what we learned. It was going back to business school one one more time, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I think you know it you know goes back to the old adage of everything happens for a reason, right? I think you know a lot of the advancements in technology and a lot of the you know the the efficiencies that we're going to gain as an economy. Yeah, that that come out of this are going to uh, over time or far outweigh the the, the negative aspects of, of what this all created for us. You know, save the you know the loss of life and the the illness and all that. But you know, from a business perspective, I, I think that uh, that this is really going to be a net positive as we look back on this four, five, ten years from now. So let's end on that happy note, Dave. I want to thank you for joining me today. It was great uh, seeing you and talking to you. And I think the virtual is the way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was really, uh, really fun to, fun to be on with you. Thank you.